Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. Hey there, everybody, and happy Tuesday, and welcome to Fight Club. <laughs> Yay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Has everyone had their coffee? Let's do this thing. <laughs> We're on cup two and still needing a whole extra pot at this point. I don't know how anyone else is feeling this Tuesday, but it feels like a Monday. <laughs> I think we had too much fun last week. That's what I think happened. That could have been it. Could have been it. I think so. Well, we might get to recap on that in a little bit here, but Welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. We're the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts, and we get to be joined this week by our guest, David McCauley. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. I'm the worst with names. I apologize. He's so great. It's so hard. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, David. Um, Welcome to the show. Sorry for butchering your last name. We're excited to have you. Can you just give everyone maybe a brief rundown of yourself, your business, and how to properly say your last name? (laughs) Not a problem. So Maltehi um, sounds like I'm Irish. I got a red beard, but I'm very little Irish, actually. Um, So I own and operate O'Deer Cell Shore and O'Deer Cape Cod. We are an all-natural deer tick and mosquito control system. Um, We're additionally franchised. So I'm the president of those two companies, and then I'm the COO of Odier Development, which is the franchise system. We currently have 16 units across the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, um, and our goal is to get people outside enjoying more time in a safe manner, but then also on the franchise side of things is get people and get potential business owners or entrepreneurs or whatever you want like to call them an opportunity to be able to change their lives. This business, I was in a dead-end job in 2014 decided to make a change for myself and i have not been stopping since (laughs) i love that (laughs) well it sounds like a lot of passion in what you're explaining about your business and where you've come from so we're super excited to talk to you for those uh just joining for the first time or you've been a listener for a while then you know my name is taylor maroney i actually co-own a power washing company in south florida with my husband These crazy ladies are uh, really getting me on board to potentially start something of my own. So maybe that's something in the future I get to add to my list here. Um, But my background does come from marketing. That's what I love to do. I love to teach people how to look at the numbers, analyze the data, and make better decisions based upon that. So super excited to have you with us, Dave. And welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. Yay. And my name is Megan Likes. I am the owner of Bookkeeping Academy Online, where I educate and empower businesses to know their numbers so they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also own a full service accounting firm. So not only did we have way too much fun last week, but I also had a major deadline yesterday. So I am very happy and relieved to be back on Facebook and have that behind me today. Uh, And I own a window cleaning, gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff, and I'm excited to get to know you, Dave, and excited to talk about all things, uh, I think, franchise. That's fun. I don't know if I've ever had a franchiser on the show before, so I'm stoked about that. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, Dave. Nice to see you again. How long have we known each other? Is it three or four years? 2019 
No, 2018, after a season of having four. a child and uh, answering the phone and my wife saying, yeah. you better figure out this business. Or <laughs> exactly. So I, I'm Michelle Myers, the co-owner of Pink Collars, and I was a uh, support in that birth of your uh, organization. I helped a lot of the locations. I'm so excited to have you here because I've watched your company grow. Um, I may or may not be guilty of asking you to join Conquer as well, which was also I'm in that community. Um, but I'm thrilled yes. to have you here. We're going to talk all things systems and I've got like a million questions. So welcome to Fight Club. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. And I'm Martha Woodward. I was a owner of a maid service for 13 years in a neighboring state. I am co-founder of Quality Driven Software and also Culture First. So I just am all about helping people build happier workplaces. So we're excited to have you, Dave, and we're going to go back to Tay, and she's going to start you out with marketing. Excellent. Thank you. Oh, dear. Here we go. No, I had to do it. Just kidding. Love you guys. <laughs> you had to. <laughs> had to. It was just prime marketing opportunity. I had to jump on it. <laughs> but speaking of marketing, Dave, I really want to, I'm probably going to lean on Megan too with this franchise option here, because this is something we don't get to talk about with some of our guests too often. So and it is a question a lot of business owners have, right? Is how can I turn this into something that I can replicate, right? How can I turn this into something that I can build and help other people within other communities build more, as Megan would say, more financially rewarding lives, right? So when it comes to the marketing aspect of it, that's a pretty hefty plan you have to build out to make sure you're effectively launching a brand new franchise. So I know you had mentioned in the pre-show, maybe graphics aren't necessarily your forte. So we'll kind of stick within the marketing realm of how this kind of worked for y'all. But when you were first branching out into that new franchise, what was really the first initial step for planning out that marketing plan? All right. So let me give you a little background on this. 2014 was when I jumped into the Odeer world. I had watched Odeer run for seven years and every year they were growing and growing and growing. And their differentiating factor was they do take a mosquito control. It's all natural. Oh, dear has nothing to do with mosquitoes in the name. So it's a differentiating factor on that. On top of that is they do deer control. So we're doing 12 month service instead of totally seasonal business. When I jumped into the corporate side, the corporate home office side of things in 2020, it was okay. What has, what have these units done so far and how do we better support our franchisees? What is the market doing that's different? What is our competition doing that we should really be either putting tread on and running over them or, you know, <laughs> looking at that, but it, it comes down to, for what we noticed is um, you have to spend money. If you're not willing to spend money. Okay. And money can come in multiple forms it can come in time, it can come in uh, Facebook posts of just regular, just posting, or it can come in actually paid, which would be print, what you know, wrapping, yard signs, which are my backdrop. Um, but you have to be everywhere, and you have to be there all the time. Um, our season for our major sales season is 12 weeks out of the entire year. So we have to get 7 to 10 touches in three weeks for every client that we might sign up in 12 weeks. So it's a front-loaded system. It's building that system of, okay, when are people going to start thinking about it? When are they completely done thinking about signing up? 
and building that system and then repeating it over those 12 weeks. But then also introducing, reviewing your data every month to be able to add new things or spend more money on certain items as well. Wow, we just got a lot in like was, a oh. couple minutes there. That was like a <laughs> major brain dump. That was awesome. Okay, so first thing I want to touch on is the fact that you didn't just say that marketing dollars is just money. It's also time, right? You're not just investing the time uh, or the, excuse me, the money behind getting the print done, but there is time investment with marketing. And a lot of people think that they can just immediately hand that off. But without a structure like David just ran through in two minutes of him talking, a marketing company would not be able to effectively give the results that David's looking for for that plan, right? For those 12 weeks that he needs to be making sure those leads are coming in through their proper lead funnel system, that would not happen if David didn't know how to set that company up for success by building the system together, right? By building the data putting it all in a nice shiny box and saying, here you go, this is what we need from you. But on top of that, you really acknowledge the fact that there is some boots on the ground that you still need to do. Yard signs, those are things, you know, a marketing company can't necessarily do for you. You need to have teams doing that as well within your office. So we've got the plan structured, right? We've got it rolling out. We know that marketing dollars and time dollars are needing to be spent to get this effectively rolling. What's something that you've seen has really been a great success for you when launching these, you know, new franchise companies or, you know, just in general for marketing for you all at Odier? So 2014, I packed my bags, moved into my in-law summer house, knew no one in my service area. And I figured if I joined a gym um, and I wore my uniform and my truck was wrapped everywhere, and I started to live in the communities I wanted to actually service, I would start growing in business and live there. I meant grocery shop, go out to dinner with my wife, just do daily things in those communities. So I found the gym, was with that gym for five years. My trucks were wrapped. I had two, I had a personal vehicle and a service vehicle. And then I joined a network marketing group. Big national companies get bad raps all the time on it. Like the, the big BNI gets a bad rap. I'm not a part of one. <laughs> I'm a part of a smaller one. Um, but I show up every single Tuesday at eight o'clock. It's where I just came from. It doesn't matter if I'm slow. It doesn't matter if I'm busy. If you're showing up when you're slow, great. Then you might get business. When you show up when you're busy, they're going to be like, oh, he's too busy. But if you show up when you're busy and you run off to a job and you show up when you slow, when you're slow, and then you act like you're running off to a job, they're going to provide you leads because they're like, this guy's always busy. <laughs> you never tell them they're slow. You may tell them, hey, we're, you know, it's off season, but you never have, if you're always acting like you're running off to another job, even from the gym, people are like, wow, he's really busy. So it's that perceived kind of you know, value of what you are and perceived life that you're actually going through that you want to be, that you have to live. Absolutely. And it, and that person, when it comes to the perceived factor as well, it's, it's also giving that perception of if you want to work with us, you got to get in with us now. Like you gotta, you gotta make sure you're making your plans 
you're working towards what you need done for your home and effectively putting that forward earlier than you would probably expect to because Dave's running around like a crazy person and there's no way we're catching him if we're doing it last minute. As for me, that's what I'm hearing as a client, right? As a Correct. Client, I get to see you doing all these things in the community, really being active. I would want to work, absolutely want to work with a company like that. I think all, all four of us, I can speak for us on that. We want to work with companies that are engaged in the community that really put their best foot forward for their people. And seeing that, that puts a fire under my butt to say, I need to work with them sooner rather than later. So that way I don't miss my spot. So you're really giving that keeping up almost with the Joneses mentality as well for your community to say, hey, if you want to join this awesome group of people, make sure you do it now because we're filling up quick. But they don't have to know that, right? Like you said, they don't have to necessarily know that it Correct. may be season and you actually might be running to go maybe pick up the little one. Grocery first. shopping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I got to go to the post office. It's like, well, there's nothing to go get, but I'm going to go there anyways. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, and the, the interesting, I, you know, 2014 was a different world. I didn't build this business on Facebook and Google. I was against both of those until a couple of years ago. So those are like assets of my business that I use now, but I never used them when I was just getting off the ground and you being part of the community. If you're going to sit in your basement in any business, whether it's an Odeer or it's another service business, if you're going to sit in your basement and wait for people to come find you on Google, they will never find you on Google. You have to be part of your area. You want to service and it, whether it's network or it's print or it's digital. Absolutely. And I will add one point to that because you're very much like our Megan, our Megan likes here. We love her. I love her to death, but she's allergic to uh, mainstream marketing and we're getting her into it slowly as it moves forward. <laughs> but I've been, you know, social media has really been an area that I love. And it's an area that, in my opinion, has brought the playing field a lot more level, right? You can be, you know, I was, I was listening to a HubSpot uh, breakdown the other day about how this playing field has been leveled. And they said it perfectly. You know, you can have a, a home um, makeup company that was started in, say, Wisconsin, right next to Dior. You know, those are completely different size of makeup brands and companies, but they're on the same playing field. And it's really about how we can connect with our clients through that, which is the beauty of that, you know, one-to-one -one marketing of social media, that we're not having to chase them um, we're not, they're not having to find us. We can strategically put ourselves in their phones, in their playing field through social media. So it's really bringing that level back to, to a lot more competition in a way that's fun, in my opinion, not competition that you're stressed about it, that you have to be worried about it. But like you said, if you're not in the community and you're not doing those things actively, like y'all social media page is incredible. Getting to see <laughs> the the way that you involve the community, the tips that you give, the information that you're just offering to them just to make sure that they're safe, right? Not to sell. And that's the humanity behind it that we all need to remember. So I don't want to take up all the time, but you've done some really great things. And I appreciate the time that you've spent with me in the marketing segment today, Dave, because it's, it's really awesome to see what y'all are doing over at Odeer. Thank you, Tech. Oh, I love it. Well, I don't know. Okay. Initially I was like, we're going to talk about serious growth seriously quickly because it sounds like, <laughs> I don't know, your growth rate 
my gut says is pretty high and it's above average. And I think, I think that that is, it's a good time. It's October. It's a good time to talk about how do we make plans? How do we actually achieve plans that we're making? Um, I'm giving a talk later today on KPI tracking. So I was like, oh, we could talk about that. And then, you know, I was stalking you on the interwebs here. And I was like, (laughs) or we could talk about how you educate your customers and you don't, you don't shy away from, you know, I don't know, getting in front of them in a very informative and helpful way. So we could talk about the, your TIC program and or your TIC initiative and TIC 9 initiative, because those could be major differentiators in pretty much any industry. And that's that's something special and unusual. And then, of course, I thought we were going to talk about franchising, because I feel like every company that grows to a certain point comes to me and is like, I'm going to franchise now. I'm like, well, you have more energy than I do, because that sounds exhausting. But And so... Yeah. Which of those makes your heart sing? So option one was growth strategies. Uh, and, and I really mean like getting into the nitty gritty of how do you set up an aggressive growth goal and then actually achieve it year after year. Uh, number two is like the foundation of the TIC and TIC9 initiatives. And three is uh, franchising. You only get to choose Let's, one. I only can choose one. I could hit all three very get, quickly. Like, get, like, <laughs> okay. Um, I think the franchising is the one that I hear a lot of people right now trying to figure out if they want to get into or not. Um, I know uh, that gym that I was a part of, uh, they just franchised. Got a friend that franchised a couple of years ago. I've got a friend that's franchising next year. I think that's will resonate and it will either say, yes, I'm going to dive into it or, whoa, let me, let me rethink this one. So let's start um, with the why. Like, okay. I don't hear why I hear it, but I want to hear why you guys chose it. Um, why, why we chose it. For, yeah. Okay. Um, so, for, for, so the founders, Kurt and Colleen, they decided to franchise because they wanted to. They wanted to grow at a fast rate. Um, they wanted to provide the services, and they didn't want to manage the people. They didn't want to manage the actual people in the field doing it. Um, so they said, "Well, let's franchise it." They went down the idea of it. It was introduced to them. They looked at lawyers. How do we do this? And and they said, great, let's open it up. Um, that's about as basic and as straightforward as it gets. It's, another, I'm going to add on to that. Another reason I hear people say is they're like, I have a good business. I want to yeah. help other people have a good business. And I want to pick up some passive residual income without having to go open new locations. So like, I want to see this grow. I want to see this be in other markets, but I don't want to be the one that does it. So I'm going to choose to go this route instead of that route. Um, does that sound like another yep. comment when people franchise? Okay. So yep. now when we know you... the why. And so let's talk a yep. little bit about like logistically. So <laughs> logistically, when you actually are looking at franchising, and I don't, this is my personal opinion. If you're going to franchise, have minimum two units owned by corporate proving the system out they can be in the Mm. same area but they need to be you know okay the founding location and then one other location that's completely has done all of the systems have implemented everything has hit the revenue goals and the marketing goals and everything that that are the franchises set path set forward um once you've done that then it's okay this is working right let's let's open open up the franchise because when you look at franchisees which is what i am you get a multitude of what we are we're either an entrepreneur 
we're either a entrepreneur or we have a lot of money um, and we just want to put it somewhere. A lot of money put it somewhere is going to put an operator into place. They're going to want to hit the numbers. They're going to pay them heavily. The entrepreneur is you guys have systems. Let me get involved in it. I'm going to work at it. That was pretty much what I was at the beginning. It was, I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to start the systems. I don't really have any money, but I'm going to put everything into it because I still have a mortgage to pay and I'm going to make this thing work. So let, let's and then you, for a second. that is what we're selling in a franchise model. So you have a good business. You feel yep. like you've systematized it. You feel like you've cloned it. So you've done it more than once in an area that's not yours. And you followed a process like from A to Z, here's the process. And now you've packaged it so that you can sell it. So then you sell yes. it to a franchisee. And I think the making and breaking of franchise models is your selection process of franchisees. So now Dave's Correct. talking about like, who are we selling to? Who's that target customer? Correct. And then mm -hmm. what are they going to do with that, with that product, with your baby that you've now packaged in a pretty bow? So okay. with your baby that you now have to control an entrepreneur wanting to go <laughs> do everything they want to do. It's like, oh, hold on. We got documents we got to cover. We've got systems that you need to learn. You can't just take our branding and run with it. So being having the onboarding system in play, having the selection process to know what you're really looking for. Um, it could be every, I mean, it could be, uh, it could be so many different options, but understanding what works within your system. Um, and you're going to, there's going to be some that are ugly. There's going to be some that are beautiful and they're going to be some in the middle. Um, the, what a lot of folks go into franchising is they say, I'm going to set a franchise fee of $20,000, let's say. So it, there's a barrier of entry. Well, the person that's going to buy at 50 at 20 is also going to buy at 50. And if you get brokers involved, which they're franchise brokers to go sell these franchises for you, they get a commission. And if you sell it for 20, they're not going to want to rep you. So now you have to get a higher commission. You got to raise that franchise fee. Um, it's taken us, took us about five years, six years to really figure out our, uh, we have our franchise agreement, but then to make tweaks to it where it's like, wow, we're doing so much for the franchisees that they're not paying anything for. And that's my one I guess, big, like, be aware of that. If you get a, you don't want franchisees to come into your system thinking that they're going to do everything for me. They, the franchisee still has to own and operate a business. So they still have to have those expenses. And some franchisees are like, oh, I don't have to pay for anything. I'm paying a royalty. Mm. And even though you get that passive income, there's studies out there that say a hundred units before the franchise or starts to make the serious money that they thought they were going to make back at 10 units because and, it takes a staff to manage them. And I feel like I, what I love is you're actually, you're, you're discussing a new business model, which is very relatable to any listener who has an existing business model, right? You're defining a process, you're defining an experience, you're staffing it you're selling it, you're identifying your ideal customer, then you're delivering that experience. Like this is a very similar model to anybody owning a home service that's listening to this now. Uh, I, if, if franchising is what you've been like, huh, this is what I'm going to do in the recession. Or like, this is what I'm going to do to make my next million. If that's what you've been feeling, 
there are people that specialize in this. This is not something that should be done from scratch. This is not something mm -hmm. that should be done alone. Um, I made it through two attorney meetings before I gave up. And I was like, yeah, no, I have too many control issues for this right now in my life, right? But there are, there are attorneys that are going to help you with that agreement. They're going to help you think about beginning with the end in mind. They're going to help. They're going to tell you all the disaster stories of what franchisees can do to a brand or what they can do to your own personal liability. They Attorneys are going to be your best friend if you decide to go the franchise model route. And finding a mentor just like in any other business who's done it successfully that you'd like to model off of and preparing yourself to be patient. Uh, Dave just snuck in. It takes a hundred franchisees before you're going to have a really refined, profitable franchise or model. Uh, and that, that's, that takes patience, but it's, it, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool because that's how you get your name all over. How many locations are you at now? Or how many? So we have 16 franchise units or 16 yeah. units, uh, 12 franchisees. So that's another thing is multi-unit owners. It's a really cool business model, but it is a separate business. It's not a, I'm really good at washing windows or killing ticks and mosquitoes. It's a people pleasing litigious business where you have to have the right lawyers, the right operators in place. Um, it's fun. It's cool to see people change their lives. We've got, besides me, we have two or three other franchisees that the business has literally changed their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and it's changed the franchisor's lives as well. Kurt and Colleen, they, they never thought they'd be doing this, um, but it's given them the freedom. It doesn't always have to be money. It can also be the freedom to be able to do things with their families or have the vacation home or have a really strong seasonal business that you can put on pause or autopilot over the winter and build your business um, for the next year. Cause you kind of snuck that into the beginning about numbers <laughs> and how do you build a business? Most businesses are um, year round annual, but there's always an up and down cycle where at Odeer, we have that up and down cycle. We have deer control through the winter but we get to pretty much pause and review our business in December and rebuild the marketing plans, rebuild the budgets to be able to then put that plan together starting in March. So then we can implement a strong process and how do we, how do we crush it for the next year? I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I sometimes wish I was like, it would just be nice to have a break so we could like build this all. We used COVID as our break. Um, my husband said, you know, I get asked in interviews a lot, um, if you could start all over again, what would you do differently? And so he used COVID as his starting all over again and doing it differently. And and um, I don't wish to go back to March of 2020, but that was a great no. benefit of being able to have that break to rebuild something. Um, I, I like this idea. I, I want to go back to the why, maybe not of franchising, but if you are listening to this and you're considering buying into a franchise or you're like, oh, I never really thought about that. It's a shortcut. It's a road. 100%. And it's yep. a validated success path. So the nice thing is in business, we like, we run into all these roadblocks, like maybe 27 of them until something works or goes right. And when you, when you invest in a franchise system as a franchisee, you're investing in less roadblocks. Like we're not saying it's mm -hmm. going to be a good pass. We're not saying it's going to be a guaranteed success, but we are saying this is a validated model. 
that if you follow it, you can achieve results. And if you invest in it, your time and energy and your own creativity, you will achieve different results. So um, that was that was really fun. Thank you for sharing that. Um, anything it, else man. you want to say about the franchise model before we move on to systems? Anything else? We I think you hit it right on the head. It's 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 a roadmap, but you still have to execute. And you can buy into a franchise, get into it, but if you don't execute, it's the same thing as another business. You do have a board and a support staff that you can reach out to, which is great. Um, but if you don't execute, it's this it's an expensive job as any businesses. <laughs> on that Amen. note, you Michelle or Yay. Okay, so Dave, when we first met, you were using a software called Jobber. And mm -hmm. Jobber is fantastic for um, a certain size of company. When you kind of get started, it was perfect. Talk to me about why you may have switched, because I know you went to something that would do a little bit more recurring, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yep. Recurring scheduling. Tell me, I know I don't mean to dive in super deep right away, but I feel like people want to know like where that change happens. Does it happen at a certain revenue number? Does it happen at a certain truck number? Or do you just kind of say, this needs to have more for me and you start looking at other softwares? Where do you decide that in your journey as a business owner? All right, Michelle. Man, Sorry, that was a big one. Question off the bat. <laughs> um, it came down to that I didn't know reporting numbers. I could export a lot out of Jobber. And I, okay. so I am a Conquer coach and I have got clients that are, that use Jobber. So, you know, I see, still see it. Um, and I think it's perfect for some businesses. It, it came down to that I needed to be able to export numbers and review growth patterns um, and have multiple people in the system knowing what's going on at the same time and being hmm. able to make changes quickly um, and batch changes. Really? So okay. take an entire town and be able to change the zip code or something like that. Wow. Okay. And so tell me what that journey was like. Cause I know we walked through it a little bit. You and I had several phone calls. You were like, okay, let's try this one. No, let's try that we one. Did. No, let's try. We, we went round and round and round and we tried a ton of stuff. Tell me what you ended up landing on and tell me kind of why that's helping you be able to scale, especially as you're looking at a franchise, multiple units is yeah. kind of where I'm after. Yeah. So uh, I think Michelle, you were one of my first business advisors besides the franchisor was like, she, she's like an insurance agent. She doesn't cost the money for me to talk to her. Um, you did so call looked, me a we lot. Did, we, did, we looked at a lot of systems thinking back at it. Um, we did. We, we tried at, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. We, we ended back uh, or we ended on pest routes, formerly known pest routes. It's now field routes. It is a service okay. Titan company at this point. Great. Um, the reason that we landed on it, we actually pulled the trigger on that as a single unit test model for Odeer February 14th of 2020. So like, okay. it's going to be a great year. Let's do this. <laughs> Perfect um, timing. And we rolled it out by April 1. Shotgun start. Wow. Let's figure this out. COVID happened. COVID was only good for us. So, you know, I know it was bad for a lot of folks. It was really good for the, for the mosquito industry. Sure. Um, and it came down to automations. Okay. It came down to scheduling because it's recurring. Mm -hmm. And it came on to like the batch changes and the customer service management that we can do auto text, we can do triggers. It was, 
if when you're looking at software, it's, they're not apples to apples. Uh-huh. They're all oranges. You got to pick the, the one that's best, the, the one that checks off the most amount. And I'm someone that doesn't like using a lot of systems. I like yeah. one system, <laughs> give me the most, but this one has an open API. Yeah. So if I want to get a developer involved, I can get a developer involved and let them go have it, have yeah. at it if I need something. But that was the, the automations and the scheduling that we had reporting okay. features. You, you talked about something with both Taylor and Megan, and they both, the, the word proactive came to my brain when you were speaking. It feels to me like as a business owner, you're super proactive. You like to get out in front of things and march your customers through the journey of getting services with you. Tell me, because you have like all the things automated, tell me how powerful having all those systems is and how many sort of trucks to CSRs or trucks to people in the office you have right now? Because I feel like you have some superhumans in the office right now because of all the systems mm-hmm. you put in, correct? They're so amazing. tell me kind of what, what that math is for, for our listeners. Right now, at this time of the year, so this is our, starting into our slower season, I yeah. have one customer service rep. Okay. I have 20 vehicles on the road. Wow. Okay. Did everybody hear that? (laughs) How how many people per vehicle? One. Yeah. So So 20 20 to one. 20 to one. That's huge. That's huge. Okay. During the season, Mm -hmm. during our sales season, I right now, uh, two customer service reps, Uh potentially four people answering phones because I, my customer service reps are, they're rock stars. They're Michelle style. (laughs) folks. They're not just message takers and they're not just, they know, they understand the service. So my operations team actually does all of my scheduling and they do sales as well. They have to know how to sell to be able to rate go up in the levels of our operations team. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Um, So the most is like four to 20 is what I'm hearing or three to 20 trucks kind of, kind of sort of in your high season. The reason why that's uh, a... at, yeah, and they're doing it's phone calls. All we've yeah. tracked our phones, and we'll do fifteen calls and at the same time coming in, and I only have three people or four people answering it. Wow! But we use <laughs> Slack. We use the the messaging systems, so our team in the field can send a message having an issue here. They either stay yeah. or they move on, and our customer service or operations team jumps in. Um, now that you're in franchise operations, have you been able to sit, take some of those tools that you've really tried and tested and apply them to the rest of the locations? Or do you kind of let your franchisees or franchisee-ors uh, take over? What do you what do you do have them do? This was comes back to that entrepreneur, entrepreneur Sorry. franchise <laughs> conversation. Sorry. So when you in a franchise system, setting the rules and regs at the beginning and following yeah. them and being the hard and true are extraordinarily important. Uh, we have to retroactively go back and say, this is a system that we, we want you guys to, you know, test and use such as Slack. Like this is how we run it. Copy my boards, just take it and use it. Um, it's a, it's, it's an overtime thing. It's a sitting down with folks, getting all of their numbers. So within our software, we have access to all of our franchisees. We don't use it for like a battering ram. We use it in case something happens to them. We can help them out. Yeah. But we can go in and mine data from them and then put it in a market spend analysis or a um, projection 
and be able to show them where they can go. And they're like, how did, how do you know that? <laughs> well, these are the numbers that your system tells you, well, how do I read that? Then it's once we prove to them that we know where their business is going, we can then say, sure. okay, this is how we got it. Use these systems that we have. Yeah. So you're where we bring in a brand new franchise. It's this is what you guys need to do from the beginning. Perfect. Okay. I love that. I love that. And I love the fact that you're not using any of the data or information to hurt anybody. It's to actually help them because everybody's growth is really the top of mind, right? Everybody's. It's what it comes down to. If we have, (laughs) if they're not happy, we're not happy. And the royalty, when you're looking at a royalty of, you know, under 10%, Mm -hmm. it's very small dollars until you get upwards of millions of dollars in revenue. Yeah. So it's, how can we help you guys? Yeah. It's our time. We're putting the forefront on this dollar before anyone else. Our, you know, the franchise's goal is get them to millions, million, multi-million. Sure. And then we can, you know, reap the rewards at that point. Perfect. Perfect transition to hand you over to Martha to talk about people. Thank you so much, David. So good to see you as always. Nice to see you too, (laughs) Michelle. Thank you. Okay, David, I'm going to pull a Megan and be like, I've got three choices. Um, So originally I was going to talk to you about like, how do you, how do you decide who would be a good franchise uh, franchise or or not um who how number two is going to be you talked about your admins and how they're rock stars everybody has a hard time kind of knowing how to vet an admin so if you're strong at that that might be a good one um Normally, I talk about field staff. So those are your three options. Oh, man. I stumped you. Those are good ones. Um, it's got to be come down to field staff or a good franchisee for me. Okay. Um, let, let me start on field staff because I think this is one that will resonate with a lot of folks. And if you don't have good field staff in one unit, it's going to get hard to get it to two units. And then how do you even prove a franchise system? Right. So for a long time, I was very much, you're in a truck. This is how much you need to bill out. Boom, boom, boom. Pay you by the hour. Overtime, extraordinary. 2020 came along and the world changed. Value, the time value proposition wasn't just, you know, people making six figures, owning businesses, CEO level VPs. It was, everyone was, if I, I I need to work the least amount of time and make the most amount of money and get out and be home with my family. Mm -hmm. So whether we knew it at the time or not, it changed our business. So we went to, since since COVID, I could look at it. I have less than a hundred hours of overtime for the last two years with 35 employees this year. Yeah. Wow. Um, And what it came down to was we work, my trucks run Monday through Saturday. The technicians only work five days. Okay. So I can offer roughly 16% more business out of the same vehicle by adding one technician to the schedule and rotating, rotating the, the, we call it a rotating schedule. It's a bad example, but 
you either work Monday through Friday or you have a day off during the week and you work Saturday. That way people yeah. are still working five days a week. They're hitting 40 hours. They hit benefits, but they're not getting stressed out. If they want to work six days, no problem. But it gives us the ability to have less vehicles on the road. Um, have, owning less vehicles and having more vehicles on the road, if that makes sense, because they're on the road every day. Except Sundays. I'm a big fan of Sunday systems are closed. Right. Enjoy with your family. Right. So um, when you say that they can work Saturday and have a day off in the middle of the week, is that like something that they have a set schedule and employ? Yeah. Okay. Typically they have a set schedule, but if they have a doctor's appointment, I'm someone that carries extra vehicles. Mm -hmm. So I can typically slide someone over and have a coverage day or have someone move in or out. Um, but the idea is that it is a set schedule for them. That way they can get daycares or childcare or plan family events around that. Right. Um, so we are becoming more sensitive as that the bigger we get. I like, it. I like it. Um, so how's that been received by staff? Uh, my field techs love it. it. From what we can tell, they love it. They don't always yeah. tell me everything. Yeah. But they don't have to, they don't, what we found is after COVID, they don't necessarily want to work 55 hours. Uh -huh. um, at least in what industry we're in. They'd rather work 40 hours. They know exactly how much they need to make. They hit those numbers and they move on. It's a different pace and lifestyle than I, that, you know, I, I'm someone that's going to keep turning and turning until I go to sleep. Yeah. But just different mindset. Um, one thing that we did put in there was um, production pay. Mm -hmm. I don't think this would be, a, be able to work unless we had production pay. Right. And we pay them a flat hourly wage plus a percent of everything they do. Yeah. So they can, if they get a really hard day, dollars are really high, might cost, it might be an extra hour of work, but their percent, the same, same percent, but they could be going from $1,000 to $1,400 a day. Mm -hmm. And that's given them the driven drive to say, you know what, I'll pick up that extra job. Right. I'm in that, that day off because the numbers just keep growing for them. And on production pay, so how does a tech know, like we did that in our company and I actually had them track their revenue. So they knew if they took an extra job, like they were the ones that had to do the math to know, yeah, I need an extra job. How do you guys handle that? So is the office the one that's telling them? Hey, all right. Production yeah. So uh, within field routes, every list, so every technician at the bottom of their list, it actually tells them the value of their day. Yeah. Which is great. So then yeah. they know. Um, and I, to preface production pay, if you're doing $900, $1,000 a day, I don't know, at least in our model, it, it wouldn't pay off. Since we're hitting twelve to $1,400 a day, it pays off and it gets them to drive. But that's because we've put in a, a heavier, robust system that we've been able to get higher revenue dollar days. Mm -hmm. um, what we do is, and this is one of those, I'd, I'd rather get something done today than do it tomorrow. 
That's always how we've run. Yeah. And that's how I will most likely run my businesses from here on out is we have a local list. So we get calls that we get clients that pause service for the day or ask, something happens on their property. We can't do it. We can switch it tomorrow. But then we have a list of new signups every day. So they go into a, a local list or a sales route. And then when someone's looking for an extra job or we notice they only have 10 and they need to be at 12, we can plug services into their schedule. Hmm. So we're always filling their schedule. When I look at a schedule and I see that they have capacity of 12 jobs and they've only got eight, they're only of eight for the day, the business has lost capacity. Yeah. So use those current list of clients and plug them into your system throughout the day. So then you can get things done. You can always you can get more done today than you can tomorrow, which then adds to the bottom line at the end of the month. Right. Businesses lost capacity. But also what I found was while the techs thought they liked to be off early, you know, they'd be like, yay, it's an early day. <laughs> we all know when it comes to their checks, then it makes them think, well, I need to shop around for a different job, even though at the time they were grateful to be off early. But as employers, we all know that that will that will hurt you because they will have negative connotations about what they make associated with that job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they, they, they're aware of all the money that they that's on the table that they can make per day. We, they understand how many jobs we expect them to make. There are days we work outside when it's really raining, we can't spray. So we, if we have a hundred jobs for the week, if we are five days, great. If we have four days, okay. We have to add to a day. If we're at three days, Hey guys, this can be a long week. It's going to be three days of really long days. If you have something going on at home, you need to go pick up your kids. Let us know so we can adjust your schedule. But if it's on the schedule this week, it's getting done. Yeah. And it's hard and fast that's going to happen. So that means our production team, our operations team has to go out. So that's where my sales team can also spray. Yeah. So when it rains, like during mm -hmm. the week, then does that mean things will shift to a Saturday? You mentioned long days too. So what we do is if you... Let's take uh, let's take 10, 10, 10 stops a day, five days, uh, 50 jobs. If you lose one day, that means that for now, for the next four days, you really have to do 12 to 13 a day. Mm -hmm. It's having that, knowing those numbers of your capacity of how much can you really push your service. Because we're not scheduled necessarily like a window washer or a heating technician where you have to set the time to go in someone's house, we can move the schedule around. Right. So we have that to our advantage. So we're That's closer true. to like a landscaper mowing company, that type of stuff. Yeah. So we make those longer days, but at some point, which we find it at like six vehicles, technicians, you need an extra vehicle. You need an extra person available. Floater. Whether it was me as an owner, whether it was my operations, GM, whatever it was, you needed that person available. So we carry... I believe we carry two employees because at 32 total full-time equivalent at one time this year, it was inevitable that we were going to have people call out. Yeah. No matter how Absolutely. hard we tried to, we, we had people call out. So we had to have people plug in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I asked those like nitty gritty questions because I have a lot of lawn care friends that um, I see those discussions where they say, you know, that they have like they'll seems to me that they'll shift their schedule to a Saturday and then they have a lot of trouble with their people showing up on a Saturday so it seems like I'm not in that business, but it seems like it would be easier to get people to take the longer day than to take away their Saturday. I don't know. That would, I, I, that's the way I look at it is I'd rather work five days and just have longer days or four days and work longer days and still keep my Saturday uh -huh. coming Sorry, I've got equipment work running outside my window. So if you hear beeping, I apologize. Um, what I found is that in New England, it's a finite amount of time to cut lawns, spray for ticks and mosquitoes and pick up leaves. Landscapers in our areas, they expect you to work six days a week. It is what it is, sun up to sundown. I didn't want that. I wanted to provide an opportunity for employment that was exterior, but you could still go to the gym after the day of work. Mm -hmm. That was the whole idea. Mm -hmm. And how do we build those roots? And I know my first group of employees, you know, they got the short end of the stick because I wasn't aware of all of this stuff. Luckily, I still have two of them. They've been with me there into their sixth season, um, which is phenomenal in a home service to have technicians around and they're not technicians anymore. They still are in the field, but they do other stuff for me once the GM. Um, but they've been able to balance that and see, go to the current group and say, Hey guys, like, I know it's a little rough right now, but let me just give you an experience two years ago or three years ago, <laughs> what was happening. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's, the, it's the balance, but it's also having that like, Hey guys, um, we're going to get through this. This is the cycle of Odeer. We all need to be here and understand what that cycle is. Right. Uh, right. It, so, Yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, thank you for indulging me on that conversation because really uh, I do work with lots of lawn care people and they battle that same thing. I guess that's the nice thing about uh, maid service is, you know, no matter really what the weather is other than if we can't drive on the roads. So but we're very scheduled. So I'm jealous of your flexibility for sure. <laughs> yep. so, all right. I think I saw Michelle looking at the time. So I'm it's going time. to <laughs> I have to make a comment because I, I feel like if you're a listener and you're not in a recurring schedule like company, this is inspiration for you. So Think outside the box of how, like, if you're doing exterior cleaning services, why can't you have a dispatch schedule like this? Why can't you build a schedule this way? Why can't you educate your customers that you're going to plug them in when you're in their neighborhood and that you're just going to notify them when you've come and when you've left? So I, I remember the first time a lawn care guy at a QDS conference told me that. He's like, well, why, like, why do they have to be home for the gutters? And I was like, well, because they're always home for the gutters. And he's like, but why? So I'm going to challenge you if you're listening to this and you're next to your services, just because your industry is used to coordinating with client schedules doesn't mean that that's how you have to always do it. And use that last segment as inspiration 
and think about how much more efficient you can be and you can deliver a better client experience when you're more efficient. So I, I just wanted to leave that parting thought, like just because your industry doesn't do it now doesn't mean they can't do it. I, like huge, huge, huge. The way I've always, when I was running my father's heating oil company and doing scheduling like that, that's what our clients expected, that we were just going to show up when we needed to show up. And that's how I run my home, my house and my, you know, vendors that I work with, my, whether it's lawn care, electricians or plumbers, if it's an emergency, hey, I need you here, when can you get here? But if it's ma regular maintenance, here's the key, here's the code, do it when you can. Yeah. It's not and for me to save money, it's for them to make more money because they're doing less work, less driving around, that type of stuff. Well, and our challenge as the owner is to get them to trust us. Right. Like you want to deliver an experience where they trust you. You don't want to be working for people. So I feel like we get right. scared. Like I can't I can't ask for a card on file. I can't ask for a house. And I'm like, oh, you can and you should. And your client's going to be happy about it. But yes. it's going to challenge your thinking because maybe your industry doesn't do it that way right now. But right. hopefully they yeah. found inspiration in that last segment with Martha, because I think having a floater, having a dispatch board, Having like a flexible schedule, all of those things can be achieved in pretty much any exterior cleaning company. They just aren't. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. All right, Tay, I'll pass it back to you for homework. Awesome. So we talked about a lot of exciting things today in all different avenues of business. And this is the point in the show where you actually get to implement that. So. During this point, we do ask you that when we assign four to five pieces of homework right now, that you please only choose one that really spoke to you and really made your heart sing. So that way you can actually execute and implement this homework this next week. So again, please just choose one. Dave, you're more than welcome to add a piece here at the end. We're, we're super excited whenever our guests add a little piece in at the end for us. So um, <laughs> when it comes to marketing, we talked about a lot of things, but the theme was really community. That was really the theme of marketing and the theme of showing up for your community and being a part of your community. So there was different ways we discussed that you can do this. You can do this through starting to build more community feel on your social media, really bringing the community that you live in into your social media marketing. Um, you can do this by attending networking events, as Dave talked about, and making sure you're always showing that you're busy when you're coming to or from those events. And a third way was just being able to be a part of your community, right? Showing your face, having your shirts, your trucks, whatever you have for the brand awareness of your company at this point in time, doing events within your community and showing that you're a part of the community or are happy to be a part of the community is a great way to approach it. So those are a few different options that you can do, but this week I challenge you to engage with your community locally. We, um, we've been doing this not super consciously until recently, but now we're trying to buy one table a month at an event where we bring our whole team and we invite them and it's a social thing for them and their spouses. And, um, and it kind of gets them out. And so like this weekend we had Oktoberfest. So all of our technicians and their fam like not families, girlfriends, wives, <laughs> and they got to have Oktoberfest outside of work. It's optional, but it's a free, it's a paid ticket, it's a paid meal. But then we kind of like, we create a little buzz. Cause like, oh, the Jeff likes some of those guys are over there, you know, like they, you know, the whole team's here. And then, you know, the community gets excited. Like, oh, you just cleaned my windows or, oh, you did a great job. Yeah, it's cute. They it's don't great. have to wear their uniforms, but you build like 
aware, brand awareness by engaging, but it's also a culturally fun event for our team. Mm -hmm. They get to eat a meal, break bread together outside of work. Um, with one stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wasn't doing that on purpose. So now like that you're saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, but we have been trying to make that more like regular so that we could also budget for it because it gets a little expensive, but it's worth it. Um, okay, finance homework. Not really finance related, but <laughs> franchise challenge. So we talked a lot about how do you know when you're ready to franchise? And I I, I feel like we're going to use my personal story of when I went down this path probably like five years ago. I thought, oh, I was going to have like Mike likes clean windows and Joe likes clean windows and Jane likes clean windows. That was going to be the <laughs> franchise model. Um, and I decided I had not refined my systems enough internally to be ready to scale it. So I, we're um, proud members of Breakthrough Academy and Breakthrough Academy says that they'll help you build a franchise model within your business. So I think that that is my homework for you this week is look at your current business, look at your current systems. Are they duplicable? And if mm. they're not, choose one to make it mm. duplicable because mm -hmm. I feel like there's a whole system that needs to be built out before we can open a second location, before we can open a third location and before we can start selling it to other locations. So if this is something that you're interested in or if this is something that sounds appealing or sexy to you, I challenge you to make one of your systems right now duplicable and then next week you can work on a new system. So that's your finance homework this week is systematizing your business <laughs> in preparation or anticipation of having a discussion about potentially franchising later. And if you don't franchise later, you know what happens? You get to be like Jeff likes where you don't work, you golf all day every day and your system runs without you. Like that could be the end result. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. That's a great homework. Um, I'm going to ride that same systems train, sister, and I'm going to talk about being proactive versus reactive. And if you're not sure what system you should put in place, I'm going to have you start small by starting with Slack. It is a way that you can supercharge your admins, you can supercharge your uh, ops teams and the guys in the field, and you can get everybody beating to the same drum. Um, and it's a really easy way to start. There is a free version. So I'm going to put the link in our private face group on Facebook. Okay. And I'm sitting here torn between two pieces of homework. I'm going to say, um, look at the floater mod, uh, look at the, look at the floater model. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't get that out, but, uh, and you know, here's the thing is in exterior cleaning you may go after people who maybe are firefighters like i'm thinking that they have long days but then they have days off kind of thing i i know and i get say firefighters because i know quite a few who end up opening some kind of home service business because they did it on their days off. So they would be great people for floaters. Now in the maid service world, I, um, I looked at stay at home moms that just wanted a little bit of extra money. Um, and I looked at people who only wanted to work part-time and could give me set days of work, uh, set days a week 
that they were willing to work. So the key is flexibility for you and for them. So that's going to be your homework. Awesome. David, would you like to give any homework for our listeners? I, I will. I got a bunch of things, but what I, <laughs> what I want, what I would like folks to do is if you're going to look at the franchising model or look at your current, let's open the second unit. What I'd like you to do is look at where that second unit may be. If you're sending a vehicle one to two days a week up there, look at the time it's costing you to drive back to your main office. Look at how much money are they costing you on that? Could they also be doing another service within that time period? So you're double capitalizing on that time. Um, and then also look at the minimum viable systems. Look at where you, so if you're at 750 or a million dollars, look back to when you were at 250. What were the systems that if you could plug, you are in your business now that you could plug in then, and could you put them into another second unit to just get it up and running quickly? and then add the systems as it gets up to a half a million, a million. Mm. So look at the metrics of the second unit, where you would go and um, how many clients would be up there. Wait, and what are the minimum viable systems? Real quick, before we end. You just open oh, a giant man. can of worms. Yeah, <laughs> simply just be, you know, what your office looks like, what your product needs to be, how you're gonna do storage for it. Um, do you need the whole inventory system or do you just need like the three things that you do, the extra squeegee, the extra bleach and, you know, the pest control wand or whatever it might be. Awesome. That's a good one. Well, David, if someone's looking to get into more contact with you, pick your brain on anything, maybe franchised or something they may have heard on the show today, what would be the best way for them to get into contact with you? Best way will be email. It's David at, oh-deer.com um it's the best way it's for my direct me email have fun sending me whatever you'd like <laughs> we'll set up you're a so time to brave chat. i love it you're so brave I was say, that was brave <laughs> i don't mind i don't mind it because if i send you to a website it's going to be oh where do i use my email i'll if i i can filter it <laughs> okay and we always end every one of our shows with a quote dave and i found this one while we were talking and it is flexibility in a time of great change is a vital quality of leadership by Brian Tracy. And I think you've really displayed flexibility in a lot of the aspects that we talked about today. Um, and I really appreciate that. And this is for sure a time of great change, COVID and then now whatever's happening next. I know we're all going to be ready for it. So thank you so much for joining us. Everybody have thank a you, super Michelle. day out there and keep fighting. <laughs> okay. Bye. See hey, you, guys, everybody. Have a good one. Okay, bye. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.